Welcome to the Mullet Over Podcast with Dr. Richard Mull. Today we have a very special guest. We're going to go ahead and jump into that. And uh, um, we're going to go ahead and let him introduce himself. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself here, Jeremy? Uh, sure. My name is Jeremy Brown. Uh, I am a current uh, political prisoner of war in the uh, January 6th saga. Uh, and I have a unique story to other January 6th defendants, the fact that the FBI actually attempted to recruit me in December of 2020 uh, prior to the events even being announced on January 6th. Uh, and so once I blew the whistle on that, uh, because I did record that meeting, and so I went public with that meeting in uh, March of 2021, and so they came and arrested me almost 10 months after the fact, and uh, I've managed to secure a 87-month federal prison sentence on uh, planted evidence and misinterpreted uh, docu- documentation. Wow. So they recruited you before the event. And and you had the wherewithal to record that. What what caused you to like get ready and and be ready to record that conversation? Well, the reason I recorded it because I knew that there was no reason for the FBI to be showing up at my doorstep uh, requesting to meet with me. Their predicate was uh, clearly false because uh, they basically told me and my girlfriend. Of course, they didn't know it was me at the time. Uh, but they said that they were there to talk about social media posts that I made. And I know I had made no such social media posts. And so because uh, I'm a retired Army Special Forces Green Beret uh, that was the non-commissioned officer in charge of the covert clandestine and compartmentalized operations branch known as the Special Activities Branch, uh, I'm always suspicious of those uh, that show up at your doorstep and tell lies, especially if they work for the federal government. Wow, that's a big story in itself. So, so you were in. You're a Green Beret. You're in Special Forces, and you learned a long time ago, or I don't know how many years ago, to be skeptical of what was going on. Because most people's skepticism didn't start till a year after COVID hit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, actually, I, I retired in 2012. So. Uh, you know, wow. this is you know, near ten years after my retirement, but you know, it's like riding a bike. You never, you never forget. Yeah. So what what led you originally to to that level of skepticism of your own government agencies? Uh, Twenty years inside the government, I guess. <laughs> I mean, look, <laughs> a lot of stories, a lot of other stories. Yeah, the reality is that uh, when you hold top secret, uh, uh, sensitive compartmentalized information uh, security clearance, uh, which is known as a a TSSCI, which gives you access to the highest levels of classification within the government, the SEI basically refers to compartmentalized uh, programs. Uh, And so for most people that might not understand that, just because something is top secret and you have a top secret clearance doesn't mean that you get to see it. A compartmentalized program is something that you must be individually read onto, and that's what the SEI portion of a security clearance refers to. So you can have a top-secret clearance without the SEI caveat, which means you merely uh, have access, uh, if given need to know, to top-secret information, but you would not be privy to compartmentalized programs 
it would operate under code names or caveats and things like that. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, the, the reality is that a security clearance just means that you are more highly capable of lying on behalf of the national security state. Wow. Yeah, I, I have had, over the years, ministered to people out of special forces and had friends that were former federal agents and stuff like that, and one of them said that uh, almost everyone from the top down was compromised and uh, and worse at the top than at the bottom. And <laughs> of course, if, if you're the enemy, why are you going to? You're not going to. You're not going to compromise uh, some low-level mailroom guy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, your targets are always those that have the most access and placement to the information that's going to be valuable to. Uh, your you know your long term and near term goals. So yeah, I mean it yeah. makes total sense. Yeah. So the world is telling us that January sixth um, was a coup attempt on the Biden administration, and um, but you were being recruited um, in advance for that event. Well. At the time, obviously, I didn't know that because uh, January 6th had not been announced. I mean, uh, I, the meeting that I held and recorded with these uh, two federal agents, and they actually were with the Department of Homeland Security. They were merely working on behalf of the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force, which is really just a cover story for military operations against American people because that task force is made up of every single uh, agency that uh, they deem necessary. So it could be the Department of Defense, which you know was involved in my case. It could have been the CIA, the NRO, the the NGA, the CIA, the DIA. I mean, it, 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 that that moniker basically is just a cover for a task force that's made up of whoever they want it to be made up of. And here domestically, uh, they attach the. Uh, the control mechanism of the FBI to make it appear like it's a law enforcement activity when really it is just a military activity. Okay. But yeah, so those two agents, um, you know, when, when we had the actual meeting that I recorded, uh, they mentioned at the time something happened in January. Now, this was December 9th. The President of the United States did not even mention or tweet about January 6th until December 19th, a full 10 days after that recorded meeting. So, of course, at the time, that comment about something happening in January just kind of went in one ear and out the other. It wasn't until after uh, my experience uh, on January 6th and then, of course, seeing the backlash in the media and the false narrative that was produced immediately uh, that evening uh, was being produced that I went back, re-listened to the interview, and at that time, that's when I knew uh, that there was uh, definitely something nefarious. The very nefarious thing that probably uh, was a, a factor in the FBI ever recruiting me, and that is that I met with all the Oath Keepers that you're now currently told attempted to overthrow the government with uh, just a ban of uh, you know guys from Florida, some girls, uh, and no weapons. That band uh, that, that you're told uh, attempted to overthrow the United States government and then went and had dinner that night in the in an area, Olive Garden. Uh, I warned that group 
in November of 2020, after the election, that they were all about to be targeted for destruction and that they needed to change the this way... This call is being uh, terminated due to a system error. Please hang up and try your call again at a later time. Hello? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, I sure can. <laughs> well, Does that happen apparently, often? Apparently... <laughs> Uh, not too often, but it always seems to happen right when uh, you're in the middle of saying something important. <laughs> I know I, I, that it is the timing of that kind of well, for whatever well, reason. Of course, we don't want to be we don't want to be conspiracy theorists now, so I'm sure it was just a technical not. glitch. Yeah, it was just a uh, glitch. but uh, <laughs> but yes, and uh, there's some kind of a very loud beep that is coming across every few uh, yeah, every I've heard minute the or so. I, it, it's not okay. loud on our end, but I'm hearing the beep. Oh, wait, okay, yeah. The recording, so I don't oh, know. Gotcha. All right, no problem. Uh, but yeah, so uh, so what I was explaining is that in November of 2020, after it became completely obvious that the election was totally messed with, over, I mean overtly, and, and yeah. you know, some something that I explain to people all the time is that one, as part of this war against America, which is what we are engaged in, we are engaged in an unconventional, unrestricted, active measure style war that's been waging for decades. Uh, and this has been admitted to by the Communist Chinese Party, it's been admitted to by you know the, the globalist power structure, it's been admitted to you know, even by uh, uh, the communists from this you know defunct Soviet Union. Uh, that they would destroy America decades ago, right? Uh, so this is what we're dealing with. So what I constantly re re tell people is that the 2020 election was not them stealing the election. That was them demonstrating their ability to do whatever they want. That just happened to be the demonstration tool that they used at that time. Because, see, this operation was planned and executed by the same people that were already in power, right? The, the, the installing of a uh, dimension-ridden um, moron, I mean, that that's just like rubbing your nose in it. That's, that is what 2020 was. Right? Everyone refers to that being a coup. Everyone refers to that being them stealing an election. No, that was a demonstration of power, which is why it was obvious that it was stolen. There was no attempt to hide it. Uh, you literally had multiple people caught on video. Um, you know, everything was on camera as demonstrated by 2,000 mules. They know the cameras were there, right? There was no attempt to hide it. There was merely the attempt to do it, then tell you that they didn't do it, which is a typical form of gaslighting. And so once this became obvious, that's when I called for a meeting uh, I joined the Oath Keepers in order to gain access to their leadership, and I had a meeting where I warned them that this is what's going on. This is why those things happened. Your focus of Antifa and BLM is merely a distraction and that you need to be concerned because you're about to be targeted by guys that look like a bunch of Green Berets. And I had a picture of my team in combat gear up on the screen, and I said, right now, you're – names are in packets that are on the desk of guys that look like this, right? And I know that the FBI and the Joint Terrorism Task Force knows about this meeting because I now hold in my possession a confidential human source report 
showing that that November 2020 meeting was infiltrated by an active confidential human source, which means that the Oath Keepers were infiltrated at least months, if not years, prior to the November election, which would have to ask, why are federal intelligence agents infiltrating groups of American citizens that have never been accused of a crime, much less convicted of a crime? Mm. So, Oath Keepers, that's the group that um, supposedly stormed the um, Oval Offices. Is that correct? Well, uh, not, not the Oval Office, but the, the, the Capitol building, right? So Capitol there's three building. main patsy groups, right? There are your three, well, actually, two large what you would call patriot groups. And then, of course, the Proud Boys, which have nothing to do with you know, politics really at all. I mean, the Proud Boys is basically a police club. Um, but those three groups have kind of been the the face of the scapegoat operations in this what what I uh, refer to all the time as the modern day burning of the Reichstag. The Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, and the Three Percenters have basically become the poster boys of the government's war on anyone who has read the Constitution and believes that the government currently is not following it. And so they've sought to destroy those three groups. They use the Governor Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping plot, of which they hatched, uh, which has been reported on extensively by Julie Kelly uh, and Darren Beatty, to destroy the three percenters in Michigan with that uh, show trial that they held up there. And then they used January 6th, to destroy the Oath Keepers and the three uh, and the Proud Boys, uh, as well as you know thousands of other Americans that aren't part of any group other than the fact that they voted for former President Trump. Wow. So were and, you and, there? And, and let, let me just point this out, Andrew, that this is a common tactic in. A a, a, you know, a coup scenario, an unconventional warfare scenario, a scenario where you're seeking to gain control. Once you have control, you immediately conduct what are called mop-up operations where you go and you try to eliminate uh, your competition. You eliminate your political enemies. You eliminate those who are going to raise questions about how you obtain that power, and that's exactly what you're seeing right now. It has nothing to do with a riot. It has nothing to do with a protest. It has nothing to do with an attempted overthrow of the government. That's completely ridiculous. So that that something like that was just supposedly happening in Russia, where um, one of the groups was trying to take over Russia, and there was a coup in Russia, and that seems to be all made up as well. Well, if you if you believe that, well, that's exactly right. See, my personal assessment of what happened in Russia is, is that was a KGB a KGB style deception operation meant to make the West look like morons, which would be successful if uh, those in power didn't have complete control of all information that you get. So, in order to it, it, in order to question that 
that see, all seemed very odd and doesn't make much sense because, you know, it sounds like they're all buddy-buddy now again, right? Uh, it was very likely a military deception operation meant to reposition troops. Uh, as you know, a lot of the Wagner group moved into Belarus after that incident. Uh, so who knows what actually happened? But I can tell you right now, <clears throat> whatever the media is telling you is happening, is almost 100% certainly not what is happening. So if they're telling you that this was some type of organic attempted overthrow of Putin uh, or a coup or whatever, then you can almost 100% guarantee that it was not. So uh, I can't tell you what it was, but I can tell you what it wasn't, and it's whatever the nightly news was telling you it was. Absolutely. Yeah, they've lost so much credibility. Excuse me. In in the majority of the world's eyes, I think, but it's still being um, drummed down everybody's throats. Who watches the news? Well, right, still? because it's a it's a propaganda mechanism. So yeah. of, of course, I mean, I mean, the purpose of propaganda is to force narratives and to force um, you know perception. And and so it doesn't matter whether they're exposed as being fraudulent. I mean, let's just take, for example, you know, the announcement yesterday that, oh, we, we just can't tell whose cocaine that was in the White House, so we're going to cancel the whole investigation. We're going to close the investigation, right? Well, if somebody if, – if law enforcement were to discover cocaine in your house with nobody there, somebody's going to jail. Right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the idea that uh, the most what should be one of the most secure buildings on the face of the planet, the White House, uh, they just don't know who could have possibly left that cocaine there. Again, is absolutely ridiculous, absurd, uh, beyond believable. But yet yeah, we're just told that that's the way it is. Sit down and shut up. So January 6th, where were you? So I was part of the, you know, all, all those guys that you've been told that were there to overthrow the government, they weren't there to overthrow the government. They were there to provide volunteer protective services to the organizers and speakers of the event. So, I mean, we have VIP credentials. We went through Secret Service uh, screening. Uh, in fact, there's even references in court documents to the fact that we had to ground all of our protective equipment that was there to protect us from counter-protesters, not to protect us in the event of, of this, you know, uh, perceived government overthrow, right? That, that equipment was left outside of that, that protective barrier provided by Uniform Secret Service, right? So we were at the very extreme interior perimeter of the President of the United States. And yet we're the DOJ wants you to believe that this band, and I, I think there might have been maybe 15 of us, uh, yeah, and, and there were a bunch of different groups with a d bunch of different groups of speakers, and, and there was a you know talk of having to escort maybe some elected officials. I wasn't part of that group, um, but that, that's what we were there to do. We were there to <clears> – <throat> because the plan – as evidenced by the schedule of events for the two-day see, we were there on the 5th as well providing security. So there were events at the Supreme Court. There were events at multiple different malls on the 5th as well. Of course, there were no incidences. And then on the 6th, our task was to escort speakers from the ellipse 
to the Capitol where there were permits and supposed to be stages set up for the follow-on First Amendment activities as announced by the President of the United States. If you re-listen to the speech, he says we're going to march peacefully to the Capitol and let our voices heard. He said that because he knew that there were approved permits for stages that were supposed to be set up at the Capitol, and that's what we were there to do. We were to escort the individuals from the ellipse provide protection along the walking route, arrive at the Capitol, and then stand by and provide them protection back to their hotel or their cars or whatever. That is why the Oath Keepers were in D.C. Now, there's and been a lot of... I want to clarify something. That Did you yes. say that you were not allowed to wear protective gear? That we weren't allowed to wear protective gear inside the perimeter where the speech was taking place, which is right. why we left uh, probably about halfway through President Trump's speech. We left the area to go put our gear on and get into position so that when the movement started from the ellipse to the Capitol, you know, we were ready to go. So uh, we didn't even get to see the full speech because we had to you know, position ourselves uh, in order to receive our protectees. And that's exactly what we did. Okay. And, and when I say I was with the other keepers, I mean, I, I was with Kelly Meggs, Kenny Harrelson, Jessica Watkins, all the ones that have been convicted of this grand conspiracy of which Kelly Meggs was convicted of seditious conspiracy. That is my group. And the, the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force knows this. There are photographs. In fact, the Epoch Times ran a photograph of me standing right next to Kelly Meggs Right. The, the FBI called me that morning at 930 when we were doing our initial walk around and getting familiar rides with the stage area. The agent that recruited that recruited me back in December called me. And was like, hey, just checking in to see what's going you on. And I, and I told him I told him that I was in D.C. working and that I was busy and I couldn't talk and hung up. So, I mean, they, they knew everything because they actually we're part of everything, right? And and I refer to it as the modern day burning of the Reichstag because this is this is an event that Hitler used in order to gain power in Germany early on in his time, right? He burnt he had the he uh, organized the burning of the German Capitol building and then blamed it on the communists and then rounded up the communists. That's exactly what you're seeing happen in America today. So let me call back. All right. I think we're on. Can, can you hear me? Yes. All right. So, yeah, you can pick up where you left off. Oh, yeah. So, so I was re referring to January 6th as the modern-day burning of the Reichstag, a technique that was used by Hitler in order to gain control in the early 30s in Germany. See, this is a technique that you see in the movies all the time. It's something that we train on. In fact, you know, my... Training Operational Detachment Alpha in the exercise that makes Green Berets what they are, which is known as Robin Sage, we use this same technique, right? We posed as firefighters to gain access to targets. We posed as uh, our opposition force, which the 82nd was acting as the bad guys in our scenario, right? So what do we do? We would put on, uh, we would get one of the guys that was in the 82nd, put on 
their cops and infiltrate their groups and then use it to create diversionary tactics or to uh, you know, take out centuries or whatever, right? This is a well-known, uh, well-used tactic. I mean, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of the Trojan horse, right? I mean, this is a deception tactic that is used in order to destroy your enemies, and that's exactly what's happened. And, you know, people uh, are so conditioned that they're told things that are conspiracy theories to not even ever look into it, and that and that is information operations. That is psychological operations. But that's exactly what we see here, which is why the very worst offenders would have been caught on video telling people, go in the Capitol, go in the Capitol. You're Ray Epps and all the other people that uh, we've all heard about. None of these people have been arrested. They're all on video, and the FBI had to having all these videos. Hell, a lot of these videos are in the discovery for defendants uh, that have been forced to trial, right? But what they don't want anyone to do is they don't want the American people to see these videos because it's going to totally not make sense to anybody that sees it. And so that's the reason why they have to suppress, cover up, and lie. So the people that went into the White House or the, yeah, the Capitol building were not the people that were arrested was it was your group that did not go in. No, so so the, the there was a large portion of my group that once we arrived on Capitol grounds because of all the chaos and different reports that were coming in, they actually broke off because their intent was to go see what was going on to make sure that there wasn't any any area where they might be able to help assist, de-escalate, calm things down, right? It was not an aggressive maneuver. Again, we had no weapons, right? The only gear that we had was meant for protection against things like frozen water bottles, uh, bike chains with padlocks on the end of them. I mean, this, these are techniques and tactics that have been used numerous times by counter-protesters at other events, stabbing, things like that. So. The DOJ likes to refer to us dressed as com- in combat gear. Well, yeah, because that's what is required to protect you from these types of tactics, right? Just like when you look at Antifa, they're wearing bicycle helmets and they have shields and all these things because they're using dangerous tactics. And so when you're in a protect, when you're in a force protection posture, you have to be able to withstand you know, an onslaught from whoever it is that you're protecting. So based on their tactics and their techniques and procedures, that is what required the certain, all the gear that you see that looks all very scary, right? Oh, my gosh, they have helmets on. We know a Bosic must wear helmets, right? It's to protect your head from things, right? They refer to them as Kevlar helmets. I was wearing a bicycle helmet. Why? Because they're what we refer to as bump helmets. It's meaning they're meant to protect us from blunt force, not ballistic, right? Not, not, I mean, I have a ballistic helmet, but I wasn't wearing it because that wasn't the threat. So uh, we're getting locked down, so let me move up to my room, but I, I can keep you on the line. So if you've got a question while I, while I move, um, you hear some yelling in the background. That's what's going on, so. Yeah. So you did you go into the building? No. No, I never went into the building because the, that was I. 
I know what we were there to do, and I, and I advised them not to go into the building. Well, hey, I'm, I wasn't in charge, right? So I stayed out. We had a female protectee, so therefore that female protectee had a female escort, and so I stayed outside with them as well as with a couple of elderly gentlemen, I think they were from Ohio, uh, that were also part of this detail. Uh, and we stayed outside and just, you know, kept watch on, on things out there, like, just like any protective detail would do. Yeah. So were you arrested that day? Oh, no. In fact, not only was I not arrested, uh, I was never even mentioned in any of the early charging documents of the people that I was with. And, and almost all of the people that I was with were arrested nearly immediately. Uh, January and February was the main push of the arrest where your Kelly Meggs, I think Kelly Meggs was arrested February 20th. Jessica Watkins, I think, was arrested uh, in January. Uh, the the last person that I actually know by name uh, was arrested in March. And as part of all of their charging documents, all the evidence the government offered, uh, all of their, even even their interviews, um, well, actually, I don't have interviews on most of them, which is also, also odd. There's no mention of me, even though they know, again, like I said, they called me on the phone. There's public photographs. I mean, I'm on all kinds of body cam because we were there, right? There, there was no hiding. There was a, uh, they had a, they had surveillance video from the hotel that they like to refer to was the cache of weapons as part of the evil QRF. Well, right. Uh, the weapons were left in a legal environment because the Oath Keepers are law-abiding citizens, right? I mean, think of the absurdity of this claim. Uh, uh, they're going to overthrow the government, but they leave their weapons in Virginia, a state where it's legal, and they leave an elderly man to watch them. And then after all the events are over, they go and pick up the weapons at the hotel, right? And yet we're supposed to believe that this is the plan to overthrow a government, right? Um, but again, it just goes back to the point of how absurd it was. So no, I was not arrested. I was not even mentioned. In fact, in my discovery, there's almost no investigative product involving me at all until after Darren Beatty from Revolver.News exposes the FBI's plots in Michigan and ties that chain of command to January 6th. And at that point, I start to get recontacted by people who had heard about my story and went public in March, calling me up and saying, hey, weren't you recruited by the FBI? Didn't you do some kind of interview? And so that revitalization of my role uh, I believe is what then made it uh, the FBI shift their strategy from ignore into oblivion, which is pretend like I wasn't there. Basically, Ray Epps me, right? Ignore, 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 deny, to now we're going to create this fake investigation and then we're going to move on on this guy September 30th, 10 months after the fact. And they came with an arrest warrant for two counts of misdemeanor trespassing. Wow. And were there other charges? 
well, there were eventually. So with the two counts of misdemeanor trespass arrest warrant, they also came with a search warrant that was based on a domestic terrorism justification. Uh, and that search warrant had all kinds of ridiculous stuff in there, like they were looking for evidence that I questioned the election. Well, how can that be probable cause in a search warrant when that's not a crime, right? But see, it is a crime to them because they're lawless adversaries of this country. So when they provide their justification for a search warrant, that makes perfect sense, right? But these types of statements are in my search warrant, right? Um, and so they bring the search warrant based on a domestic terrorism investigation, of which domestic terrorism is not even a statutory crime. Right. So so we create fake investigations to utilize unconstitutional laws like the Patriot Act to circumvent constitutional rights found in the Fourth Amendment that says in order for a search warrant, it must be in the district for which the search warrant takes place. But instead, they issue the search warrant out of D.C. They utilize two separate judges by about an hour's difference, right? They spend each spend about 28 seconds reviewing the 50-plus pages of probable cause before they sign them. I mean, it, everything about their operation is sketchy and illegal, but yet, see, this doesn't stop them. And then, of course, when they conduct the search... This call is being terminated they... due to a system error. Please hang up and try your call again. All right, we're back. Okay, so before I was not willing to go on the record and say that this is very conspiratorial, but that's the second disconnect. And I, I will let you know that I've been here since April, and the two messages used <laughs> to disconnect these last two calls are messages I've never heard before, which basically said this call is being disconnected due to a system error. A totally brand new message that I've never heard before, so it is kind of odd and funny, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, they can disconnect you're not the first person that has said that on one of our podcasts. Or, um, yeah. So it, it, there is, um, yeah. The enemy does not want the truth exposed. But I'm sure it's just a coincidence that they will have us all believe. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, you were getting into some good stuff. Oh, yeah. So uh, I think I was talking about the search warrant. Um, yeah. So, yeah, this search warrant is was based on a domestic terrorism investigation, right? So 57 pages of probable cause tied to January 6th, uh, but using a justification and a jurisdiction that because of a domestic terrorism investigation, we had a D.C. Circuit judge sign in order to search a property 10 months after the crime, a thousand miles away, right? So this is what they did, and of course, during that search, they find two constitutionally protected firearms, two grenades of which uh, have DNA on them, but not my DNA, and the FBI refused to run a cross-match against any databases to find out whose DNA was on these so-called illegal grenades. Uh, one count of improper storage of these planted grenades, because, I mean, hey, when you plant evidence uh, in the wrong place, how am I supposed to know uh, that it needs to be stored properly? And then, of course, they claim they found a CD-ROM with over 30 files, of course, uh, they did not 
uh, charged me but with four counts of classified materials and not in seven months after the arrest. And of course, uh, at that point, I'm like, where did this CD-ROM come from? Uh, and of course, there was no photographs of this CD-ROM. There was no uh, evidence entry log. There was no evidence log entries of the CD-ROM. And their uh, their operational support technician testified at trial that she never saw the CD-ROM. Um, but yet, there was a suspicious agent who claims that he knew me, that was the photographer, who wasn't normally a photographer, that is the one that everyone claims took photographs of this. I mean, it's just complete absurdity after absurdity. But see, that doesn't matter in a controlled and rigged judicial system because they were still able to convict me on six of the ten counts. And one of those counts was a document that I wrote myself that I publicly dared the Department of Justice to indict me on and that they refused to indict me on until over a year after the arrest when it was obvious that I was not going to allow the document to be undiscussed. And so finally on November 8th, after my original trial date, they finally indicted me on that document, which I thought was perfect because it was meant to be a trap for them. But unfortunately, my attorney... Uh, did not properly argue the defense of that document the way I wanted to. And one of the reasons was because I was only allowed access one time for just over an hour to any and all of the classified materials of which they never even provided me the so-called CD-ROM that they claimed that they found. And they never even showed that CD-ROM to the jury, which is why the jury found uh, me not guilty on those four counts. So it's just... it's. Example after example of the clear-cut setup, uh, and yet here I am, sentenced to 87 months in a federal prison. Wow. Jeremy, are you married, have children? I have a long-time girlfriend. We've been together for over nine years now. Uh, I do have uh, five daughters from my uh, my only marriage. Uh, uh, but uh, we divorced in uh, 2015, and so um, yeah, I mean, I, I have two dogs, I have I have friends, I have uh, you know household responsibilities. What's that? And you've been separated from that from that whole world. Well, of course, but see, I knew that I was going to be separated from the world when I went public because yeah, you know, I've worked with. Uh, the FBI overseas, you know, the the very joint terrorism task force that was there to arrest me. I pointed this out to the agents when they recruited me. I tried to help them as much as I could by giving them clues and cues that what they're doing is wrong. If you listen to the interview, you hear me control the interview. You'll hear me bring up points, right? And I, I warned them up front. One, I told them I was going to record. They, if they had done any research at all into my background, they would have known that they should not have made the approach that they made to me because I was recording it. And then I warned them, hey, I know who you guys are. I've worked with you downrange before. And yet none of this stopped them because, see, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And they think they can get away with anything. They think we're all stupid because most of us are. I mean, most of us are willingly ignorant 
to the things that are going on. And they know this, which is why they don't care. It's why these agents admitted to violating the First Amendment of the United States Constitution by working directly with tech companies. Yeah, they admitted December of 2020. And of course, now everyone's up in arms because in Congress we're ho- holding hearings and everyone's shocked that the FBI was working with, with big tech. Yeah, just like their agents said to in this December 2020 interview. I mean, I make reference to Bi- the Biden family being pedophiles because they make law that they stopped a guy because he had a Biden is a pedophile bumper sticker on his car. Right. As if that's justification to question an American citizen. And yet they they just they uh, flippantly say, yeah, you know, we talked to this one guy who had a Biden's a pedophile bumper sticker. And my response was, well, he is a pedophile. You guys know that. And they chuckle. I mean, this is after the, the Hunter Biden laptop. I mean, this federal law enforcement mechanism, this this. This law enforcement, military, industrial complex, intelligence community, uh, bureaucratic, administrative state that is waging war against the American people have absolutely no fear. They have absolutely no concern for anything. I mean, just let Christopher Ray testify. He could care less if you know what laws he's broken. In fact, it was brought up that the FBI violated uh, the Fourth Amendment millions of times through illegal monitoring of, and he's like, well, I'm not sure how many times. If it was one time, then you oversaw a criminal activity. It is a, it is a violation of Title 18, Section 242, deprivation of rights under color of law to violate a citizen's constitutional rights knowingly because you think you have authority. Punishable by up to death if death results from your violations. And yet the FBI director is told by members of Congress who have constitutional oversight authority over his unconstitutional law enforcement agency, and they say, your agency that you oversaw engaged in millions of crimes and you don't know. I mean, this, this is the extent of the tyranny. And as Thomas Jefferson said, uh, how, how far will tyranny go as far as you let it? Well, apparently we're letting it go all the way. So what can be done about all of this? Well, the next president could appoint me as FBI director, and I will uh, fix the FBI or I'll abolish it. Um, yeah. That's one technique. But the the reality is that, you know, first, you know, everybody likes to use the term wake up. Uh, uh, Americans need to accept that the America that they are told that they're in is not the America that they're in. And then they're not even in America. I mean, look at anything discussed on the news and then pull out your constitution and see if you can find it. Okay. I mean, uh, I just heard a story uh, this morning about a federal judge ruling that schools don't have to tell parents that their kids are seeking uh, gender reassignment procedures. 
uh, California just had a bill blocked by a certain political party, or I think we all know who it is because it's California. They blocked a bill that would make child sex trafficking a felony, and they blocked it. Now, there's only one reason that you would block that from being a felony. It's because you're protecting those that you know are engaging it. It means that your constituency must not want child sex trafficking to be a felony. And then you listen to these left-wing control, government-controlled media outlets telling everybody that the success of the movie Sound of Freedom is tied to a conspiracy theory of child sex trafficking. Really? And yet this is who's in charge of our federal government. And we go out the 4th of July and we wave our flags as if we're independent. We are not. We are a conquered people that don't know it. This is the most successful covert operation in the history of warfare on this planet because 90% of people have no idea that it's even taking place. I mean, I listen to, to talk radio, and I'm forced to listen to Sean Hannity, and I hear people literally uh, still parroting the, the ridiculous statistic that 99% of the FBI – is good and that it's not the people on the ground. Well, I will tell you that there were five FBI agents that made up pretty much the management team because see, they have what are called task force officers, which are local law enforcement. Again, a violation of the 10th Amendment, but what they do is they bring in these local law enforcement guys who have no idea what's going on, right? that will do what they're told. Why? Because they think it's cool that they have an FBI badge, right? So these task force officers are utilized as the useful idiots in these compartmentalized operations with FBI direction, command, and control, and they're made to do all the dirty work. So who found the explosives? A sheriff's deputy. Who took the photographs? A a Tampa PD officer, right? Who who oversaw who took the photographs of the the planted evidence? Oh, an FBI agent, right? I mean, this is and so of these five FBI agents, I can tell you right now, um, only one of them I have found evidence of nefarious actions, lies, deceit, or cover up. In fact, one of these FBI agents, the assault commander, right, Special Agent Franks, on the witness stand said, yeah, we, we destroy video surveillance um, equipment on the way to the breach point in order to protect us. Well, that's fine, Special Agent You have Frank. one minute left. When you're in Afghanistan, Iraq, Colombia, Malaysia, or wherever else you are, because see, those people don't have constitutional rights to the protection of private property. They don't have due process rights. But in America, a 20-year Special Forces retiree, Master Sergeant, I do have property rights. I have the right to due process. So you can't just come, even with a search warrant, and destroy equipment, and yet he you know, proudly testified that, hey, this is just what we do all the time. 
in order to protect FBI agents. It's absurd. They're out of control, and what we have to do is realize it first, right? We have to identify the problem before we can even come up with a solution. But most people are are incapable of bridging this cognitive dissident gap that we are a conquered people. Thank you for using so Securus. Goodbye. All right. Can you hear me? The 15 minutes flies by. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of long-winded, so I'm, I apologize if I don't let you get a word in edgewise. But, uh, <laughs> there are yeah. two things I want to ask you about before we're done, but I'm I'm cool with us going as long as it takes. So, Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, I'm, I've got nothing else planned for the day, and uh, I'll be here at least till December of uh, 2027. So, um, but you, you were asking about... Wow, we're we're gonna get out on appeal. I mean, here's the thing: is that when you when you create a fake investigation and you stage a setup after the fact, when that's not your primary plan, right? Your, their primary plan was to ignore me and hope go away. In fact, uh, uh, there was a Washington Post article on January fifteenth of twenty twenty one. So, you know, what is it? Seven nine days after January 6th released, calling me by name a conspiracy theory. It was titled uh, some, something to do with uh, why combat veterans are so easily susceptible to conspiracy theories. But the article was about me, and I think they mentioned the other guys. So basically, they cite me as this conspiracy theorist. Then they use three examples of other guys by name, and then they close out the article by going back to me. Now, again, how did the Washington Post know who the hell I was? Well, the reason is because the FBI is in bed uh, with the Washington Post that's owned by Amazon, who the government is in bed with. Uh, they have all kinds of contracts for storing of you know, top-secret information. The agent in charge of my case is married to an Amazon executive. So, I mean, they're all as thick as thieves. And so what this was was an intent. But see, again, they knew I recorded them. I told you that. They ha I had the emails that in December. I said, hey, I'll meet with you, but I'm going to record it because I don't want to be general flended, <laughs> right? I, I explained to them I didn't trust the FBI. They were so confident that their offer to work with the Joint Terrorism Task Force would be so lucrative and cool for some down-on-his-luck, washed-up Green Beret that they had no fear of still making the soft approach, right? And so they knew that I did this. They knew that I had reached out to Project Veritas in an attempt to go public with the story before January 16th, December 12th. Again, still prior to the announcement of January 6th, I reached out to media outlets wanting to expose the recording. But I, got not, I didn't get any interest. There were some discussions with Project Veritas. Things didn't work out. But uh, luckily, because then it allowed January and for me to be able to see the full picture of how that interview and that recording played in, right? But so this was an effort to destroy my credibility prior to ever there being released. Because think about this, 
seven days or nine days after January 6th, the Washington Post runs this art, this national article about how Jeremy Michael Brown is a conspiracy theorist, right? Even though two days prior, the FBI internally through the National Terrorism Operations Center releases their findings on an assessment that was started on January 5th. That's right. The day before the so-called attempted overthrow of the government, the federal government, through their National Terrorism Operations Center, launches an assessment into me, but on January 13, clears me as no national security threat. And then two days later, I'm called a conspiracy theorist. So, one, you have the justification to not pursue because I'm not a threat, right? But yet, you discredit him in a nationally published article as a conspiracy theorist in case he gets too uppity and decides to go public with the recording that you know exists. This is, ladies and gentlemen, a conspiracy. It's not a theory. Mm -hmm. I have the documentation. And it isn't until midsummer, after Darren Beatty ties together a bunch of disparate observations into a picture that looks a lot like the fact that the FBI not only was involved in setting up January 6th, but also setting up the uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping plot in Michigan, that then the FBI decides now we're going to bring in a bunch of unarrested Oath Keepers and we're going to threaten them with prosecution. If you don't talk to us, we're going to come after you. And that if you talk to Jeremy Brown, we're going to prosecute you. <clears throat> and they start collecting all these statements about Jeremy Brown. And then, of course, they come with misdemeanor trespassing in September. I mean, it is almost cartoonish in its execution. But see, they never wanted to come after me. They wanted me to just go away. They just wanted this no-name nobody from Tampa, Florida, to just be ignored because, see, they have information dominance. Who the hell is going to listen to this guy? I mean, we've already said he's a conspiracy theorist, and nobody listens to conspiracy theorists, right? But yet, when it didn't work, when people said, wait, this guy's a 20-year Green Beret, he held a top-secret clearance, you know, he's got the recording. I heard it. Almost 2 million people have heard that recording in the two-hour-long interview. Now, we know that the American people today have the attention span of a fruit fly, right? And, and, and for 2 million people to watch some long-haired, goatee-wearing, washed-up Green Beret ramble on about how they're about to be destroyed by this conspiratorial plot, well, that's pretty significant. I mean, at one time, it was one of the most highly viewed videos on that site. And so when they could no longer ignore me into oblivion is when they came after to destroy me. Wow. And even to this day, I mean, the only people that interview me are independent and alternative journalists. I think I've done one interview with Dan Ball uh, from One American News, uh, but that, that, that's it. Like, no major network, Fox News, Newsmax, 
they, they haven't reached out to my story. In fact, I believe that there's been some behind-the-scenes uh, discrediting because people who have been on shows like Tucker Carlson and have contacts with producers who have advocated to say, hey, you need to talk to this guy. You need to listen to his story. He's got the receipts. He's got the recordings. They've made comments like, oh, well, yeah, well, I mean, he lost custody of his daughters, and so as if I'm some kind of bad guy. In fact, this was actually brought up by the judge. Do you know that as part of my sentence for crimes, uh, they say I have to pay back child support? Now, how can you make a sentence about something totally unrelated to the crime? And yet, this is what they've done. I mean, it's it's a, a complete destruction effort, right? Because they know that they have. Well, my attorneys have said over and over because they're good attorneys that were trained by the system in law school to cripple your client by telling them not to speak in public. Meanwhile, the prosecutors always speak in public. So therefore, the theory couldn't possibly be true that it damages your case to speak in public because otherwise the prosecutors wouldn't do it. It, it would be like <clears throat> uh, two nuclear powers and one power telling the other nuclear power, don't use your nuclear weapons <laughs> because that's going to hurt you. Meanwhile, we're getting ready to launch our nuclear weapons, right? It's a tactic that is ingrained into defense attorneys to say, don't let your client speak in the public because that way we can destroy them in the media that we control, and their side of the story never gets out except in a courtroom where no one will pay attention, and we've established all these rules of federal evidence and everything to cripple them as much as possible. I mean, this is a corrupt system that people will find themselves in. It's not an episode of Matlock. It's not an episode of Law and Order. You're not going to be able to get up there and defend yourself. In fact, I was not even allowed by my defense attorney to bring up January 6th in my defense. And when I tried to bring it up, he stopped me, lied to me, and told me, we'll get to that, we'll get to that, and then never got to it. See, this is the level of deception, lies through omission, and just pure corruption that, that I, I almost to the point where you have to question anybody who's ever been charged with a crime or convicted. This is how dirty the system is. Mm. Wow. So, um, I, I'm, I'm, I wanted to just find out, because we deal a lot with people that have been human trafficked. Um, we, we deal with them because they come for, for help, getting me in the healing, getting ministry um and well, how could how, that be that's a conspiracy theorist children aren't sexually trafficked <laughs> <laughs> yeah so what have you seen in that realm human trafficking satanic ritual abuse because there's few people in the media that ever bring up those elements even like like people that talk about human trafficking don't talk about the satanic component have you been exposed to any of that uh, yeah, I've actually done a lot of research into it. Um, uh, there's some things that I'm not willing to say right now because uh, of who they involve. But I, I, I will tell you this. All right. 
Um, it's very near and dear to my heart. Obviously, I have four da- or five daughters, right? So the idea that there are people in this world, many of them in very high positions of power, that, and we know this is true because that's what Jeffrey Epstein was literally convicted of. Even in this corrupt system, he had to be convicted. That's how true it is. It's so true that they had to convict one of the major middlemen in this whole thing, right? And yet all of this evidence in that case totally covered up. We know that there are videos and messages about pedophilia in the Hunter Biden laptop because they've been released. We know that it's legitimate because national voices like Sean Hannity have publicly on his show, which literally made me want to vomit in my mouth the other day when I heard him basically bragging that, yeah, we could have had access to the Hunter Biden laptop, but my attorneys told me not to accept it because it would be too, it would be too uh, dangerous because of the content on the laptop being afraid that then you would be accused of Hunter's crimes because that is what would happen, right? <laughs> if you were to receive a copy of Hunter Biden's laptop, tomorrow you would be charged with trafficking of child pornography. But you know who's not being charged with that? Uh, Hunter Biden. Yeah. This is how absurd and ridiculous. I mean, let's look at Ashley Biden's diary, right? It winds up in the hands of a media outlet, Profit Vertas, right? Many people have worked to verify it, and they say, yeah, it's legitimate, where she talks about instances of, let's just say, at best, inappropriate behavior you by the current left. president of the United States. And the FBI raids a media outlet, confiscates the diary, and then you hear nothing about it ever again. So well, when I call back, I'm going to tell you some other interesting child sex trafficking stuff that has popped up in my case. So uh, let me call you right back. All right. You were going to – you said you got some yeah. more um, yeah, so, interesting stuff. Yeah, so let me let me just you know paint a little picture here. I'm sitting next to six legal boxes with approximately 25,000 pages of documents in my case. Most of it's crap. I mean, this is one of the techniques that the Department of Justice does. They give you thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of documents that are irrelevant, FBI manuals, uh, duplicates, triplicates of your uh, text messages sent from the jail, all kinds of nonsense, right? So you get to come through 25,000 pages of stuff, right? I have probably four to six terabytes of digital discovery. Again, mostly nonsense, a lot of duplicate stuff, things I can't open. But in all of this discovery, I do not have information from my cell phone, right? I do not have signal chats that took place between me and Kelly Meggs the day before January 6th, where I told him to not have everybody wear a bunch of Oath Keeper stuff because if something goes wrong, they will be targeted. Remember, in the 
December of 2020, I warned them, you're going to be set up for destruction. Now, I didn't know January 6th was going to be that date, but yet the night before, I said, don't wear a bunch of Oath Keeper stuff for this detail, because if something goes wrong, you will be blamed for it. And that's why in all the photographs of January 6th, you will see that I do not have any Oath Keeper markings, because, see, I'm a professional that knows what the hell I'm doing, right? So this conversation is oddly absent from my discovery. There's also no signal conversations. That night, when I got back to my RV, saw the media coverage, and knew immediately that this was the event that was going to be used against them, and then told them all to stop talking on electronic devices. Because, ladies and gentlemen, Everything you say on an electronic device is illegally monitored by your government. Make no mistake. Okay? Yet none of these conversations are in all that discovery that I just told you about. But you want to know what conversations are in my discovery that were provided to me by the FBI and the Department of Justice? Conversations with other special forces guys. Because, you know, I have friends. You spend 20 years in special forces, and you have a lot of friends in a lot of different special operations units. But conversations between me and those other guys about things like child sex trafficking. There's multiple organizations. In fact, the one everybody knows about now because of the movie Sound of Freedom is Operation Underground Railroad, run by former federal agent Tim Ballard. But there's other organizations out there run by a lot of different guys with a lot of different backgrounds, most in law enforcement and special operations. Why? Because we don't like child sex traffickers. And so when we're retired and we're fat and we're washed up and Your all call our is being terminated our- due to a system error. Please. All right. Yeah, that was a whole nother message that time. Right when you start talking about human trafficking. Yeah. yeah imagine that. What a coinky dink. Yeah. So uh, you were talking about. Um, oh, uh, I didn't know you had already merged over. So, all right. So, some of these other conversations that actually are pertinent to January 6th are in my discovery. What is in the discovery, almost as if the FBI wants me to know that they have this information, even though in almost every conversation, if you read at the beginning, I say, just so you know, nothing said on here is secure, right? See, this is their problem with me. I know more about this form of warfare than they do, okay? And so I know everything that I say is being recorded. I know every message that I that I write is being recorded, okay? And so, you know, they're used to dealing with people that don't know these things, right? So oddly enough, conversations, in-depth conversations that I'm having about organizing special operators to form, you know, just there can never be enough organizations hunting down child sex traffickers, right? So these conversations about getting 
special operators together, former special operators that, you know, we're, we're uh, subject to conspiracy theories, according to the uh, Washington Post. But the organizing of this similar type of group and the seeking of funding for such a group, that wasn't in this discovery. There were also conversations with other SF guys uh, pertaining to the Afghanistan evacuation operations that were voluntarily being conducted by this nation's bravest and most honorable men. Guys, let me just tell you one of the comments made in one of these things. As we're wargaming how to circumvent the Department of State's restrictions and roadblocks being set to prevent these type of operations, to allow Afghans who were being murdered and American citizens who were being murdered because this administration uh, just randomly just pulled out, left everything for China and the Taliban, right? Actively trying to halt these operations. So as we're wargaming and having discussions, you know, just a bunch of former Navy SEALs, Green Berets, and Delta Force operators, guys are like, hey, I just want to let you know there's not any money in this. And another brave warrior responses, what's money? See, these are the types of things that are in my discovery. Not things related to my case. Things that almost say, um, we know about this. But you want to know what is actually more odd than that? The term child pornography has made its way into my case four times. Three times in court. This transfer. call is being terminated due to a system error. Please hang up and try your call again at a later well, They really hate this topic. Yes, they really hate this topic. In fact, we do a podcast that we've taken this week off. But we did a podcast episode last week about the sound of freedom and child sex trafficking and everything. And and that no, actually it was the uh the MK Ultra, it was a combination child sex trafficking MK Ultra podcast. And uh they cut they interrupted that one as well. In fact I wasn't able to back for like 15 minutes, and yet my podcast host said that on her end, it showed that I was connected the whole time. <laughs> so they, def- they definitely don't like the topic of child sex trafficking. But, um, and but what I was saying... Yeah, that's, another, that's another animal. We, we, uh, we had one of our guests um, was someone that we administered to who, whose parents ran an international human trafficking um, organization to fight human trafficking, have thousands of kids. And when she was um, getting ministry from us, uncovered that she was MKUltra. And and by the end of the first session with her, without doing any of like intense ministry, I said, do you know what your parents are really doing? Just because I knew the questions to ask. And it was this aha moment. She goes, they're actually running an international human trafficking ring. I, and I didn't say one thing. I just asked questions and took notes. And the funding mm-hmm. was coming out of um, a uh, a well-known establishment. And the the yeah, it, it was it was crazy. And um, again, another program that you're told 
is a conspiracy theory, and yet there were entire Senate hearings exposing it. In fact, in this current House weaponization of government hearing run by Jim Jordan, he mentioned when explaining the the levels of weaponization that is going on, he mentioned MKUltra, COINTELPRO, and all these things. All these things that were told over and over and over again by the trauma-based mind control propaganda-controlled media are conspiracy theories, right? They literally are slapping us in the face and then telling us that they're not slapping us in the face. In fact, they're asking us, they're asking us, why are we hitting ourselves? Why are you hitting yeah. yourselves? You know who used to also do that? Your big brother. Yeah. <laughs> big brother. All right. I digress. Right? So these types of messages about groups that I was communicating with about Afghan and, and I, will, I, I did not have any active role because I was arrested. But I was willing to deploy to be part of one of these teams, and there was a lot of coordination going on, and I was trying to bring other people in, like medical professionals and things like that, because this is what your warriors want to do, okay? But, you know, the globalist elite warmongers send them out all over the world to chase ghosts when they should be back here in this country fighting against the unconventional warfare that's being conducted against you on a daily basis. Right? And so this is why we also are targets. Look, everybody knows that, one, you, they want you to believe that you're forgotten when you left, but trust me, you're not forgotten. Special operators that are out, they're definitely watching you, okay? And, you know, one of their main they like you, oh, PTSD, this and that. Look, there is nobody more psychologically assessed and analyzed than your typical special operator, whether it's uh, Green Beret, Navy SEAL, Task Force 160th Aviator, Delta Force Operator, Ranger Regiment uh, Stormtrooper, they're all assessed on a constant basis, right? So that we're actually crazy would mean that their entire psychological evaluation system is completely flawed. But see, that's just a lie. See, we're dangerous because we understand the type of warfare that's being used against our own citizens and against us. And I'm not the only Green Beret in this situation, apparently. I've been told that there's other ones, right? But I'm probably the most experienced of the ones that have been arrested because of just the duty positions that I held, right? I mean, again, like I said, I work in the Special Activities Branch Office at a theater-level command. That is not something that is uh, that every single Green Beret is going to do, but every single Green Beret is going to be trained in the counter countering of propaganda, in the use of unconventional warfare tactics, not only on the resistance side, but on the counter-resistance or counter-insurgency side, right? They know this. This is why the effort is to go against the American veteran, because we're the largest armed military force on the planet. The armed American veteran is larger than the Chinese army. Wow. The armed American citizen is the largest defense force on the planet. And they know that this is why you see this push 
for mental uh, mental health evaluations for gun control. It's why you're seeing red flag laws. Why? Because they want every citizen, every civilian, to think that every veteran, cop, and firefighter has PTSD, which is a mental disorder, so that then when you hear uh, a veteran scream because he stubbed his toe on his bedpost, you call the police and say, I think he's having mental issues, and they show up and they take your guns. It's happened to me twice. And in both cases, I've I've managed to beat the system and get my weapons back. But see, this is the play. We are dangerous to them because we understand what is happening. We see these tactics and techniques being used, especially in my case. I mean, they don't like me at all, I don't think. Well, I can't see why. <laughs> oh, we were talking about these mention, the mentioning of child pornography in my case, right? Yeah. One was in December of 2021, where a confidential human source report sent to the FBI claimed that at a rally being held outside of the Pinellas County Jail, they overheard supporters of mine uh, postulating that a reference that I made to count three in my indictment, right, which count three was the possession of the grenades. And so in a speech, I say, now count three, there's something nefarious about that. Uh, clearly, the count is defined in the indictment as possession of grenades. And yet this confidential human source in his report claims that my supporters were uh, were talking about how that the nefariousness of count three might have something to do with child pornography. That's absurd, right? The following month, I announced my run for Florida State House of Representatives. To this day, I've never heard of any of my volunteers ever mentioning that. This is an insertion in an official government document of a topic that they may or may not want to use in the future. Then, in multiple inserts throughout my case, the Department of Justice has accidentally used the term child pornography. Like, like, uh, in your honor, in reference to the child pornography, oh, I mean, uh, I didn't mean child pornography. I meant regular pornography, right? <laughs> like, a Freudian slip. Come on. No. What it is, it's meant to insert it into the conversation as if it's a real thing. Because if you're not familiar with Cheryl Atkinson, the FBI attempted to plant pornography on her husband's uh, computer during the Obama administration because she was reporting critically on the Obama administration. And they got caught. And so this is a, this is a, a weapons system that's used, and it's depicted in all kinds of money, uh, all kinds of movies, right? Predictive programming to make you think that oh, that just happens in a movie. For example, in in the movie Enemy of the State, Will Smith's character is uh, discredited because they leak information about a potential. A sexual relationship outside of his marriage, right? Why? To discredit them so that people won't listen to them. This is a technique and a tactic, and it's been used in my case, and I'm sure, I mean, it's been used in the Stuart Rhodes case. I mean, they use this all the time, and yet my judge, when I brought up in a hearing 
Your Honor, I believe the Department of Justice has leaked a document that they just received from the Department of Defense to the media, which I was told by a friend of mine, hey, this document has been leaked to the media. So I bring it up in the court hearing, and I say, Your Honor, I believe the Department of Justice is leaking in this case, and I think it would be pertinent for you to uh, warn them to not do this. This judge, who I think has been on the bench for like 30 or 40 years, literally says, and I have it in the transcript, that in her career she's never heard of the Department of Justice leaking investigative material to the media. <laughs> the federal judge has never watched any news ever? Because every day the Department of Justice leaks information to the media in D.C. and across the country. I mean, again, slapping us in the face and asking us why we're hitting ourselves. Mm -hmm. So um, you were arrested here in Tampa Bay? That's correct. At my home. You know, the, the, the nefarious, uh, seditious conspirator attempting to overthrow the government when all the other people he was with have been arrested uh, is at his home. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know if you knew that's where we're, we're at. We're in Tampa Bay because I know you've done a lot of interviews different places. So uh, I, I would love to meet in person because there's a lot of things that I think both of us are not talking about that we would talk about if it wasn't on uh, – on, uh, on, um, Recorded. I mean, I think there's a lot that has to be talked about, and then there's things that I, I, I'll talk about anything. I just I, I just want to leave certain names out because yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I mean because I've got names. That's what I I'm right. getting wiser to. So, uh, uh, there's a lot of corrupt people even in our own city. Well, of course. I mean, they're, they're everywhere. Look, you can't be one of the major hubs of child sex trafficking, which Tampa Bay is. I think at one point it was either number three or number five. Yeah. And then say, well, what's being done about it? I mean, what major efforts has the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department engaged in? Is it what what uh, what progress has been made? Uh, by the current sheriff, Chad Cronister, who, of course, has ties to supporting Andrew Warren, who's a George Soros-backed district attorney. Well, we all know George Soros, he loves the child sex trafficking industry, right, because he's tied in with that same group of local elites that all basically walk around, prance around like your Bill Gateses and, you know, your Ed Bucks, right? All of these organizations are against the topic of child sex trafficking uh, probably for the very obvious reason that they're involved in child sex trafficking. I mean, look, InfoWars, who has uh, endured decades-long destruction of its character as a journalistic uh, instrument, has all, since the very beginning of this uh, southern border crisis focused on that crisis from a perspective of what is happening with these women and children that are coming you across the border. You have one minute left. In fact, they even recorded a guy 
literally right outside one of the things talking to uh, people about bringing a bunch of these women and, and loading them in a van and taking them up north. I mean, it's out in the open, and yet again, they slap us and tell us, why are you hitting yourself? So uh, let me call. let me call back. All right. I, you know, I'm actually glad that you're involved in, in this aspect of this evil because, you know, we have to be better as the good guys at seizing these propaganda opportunities. And I explain to people all the time, you know, there's white propaganda and there's black propaganda, right? I mean, marketing is propaganda, right? Attempting to influence individuals is propaganda. I mean, and so the the term often is looked at in a negative connotation because in a lot of cases it's used negatively. But uh, Sound of Freedom is a piece of white propaganda. It's meant to bring awareness to a topic that people don't want you to talk about. And so I think uh, we need to be better as the good guys of seizing these opportunities that when it's in the news, we should be hammering home. So I'm glad that you've actually brought the topic up as part of this conversation because it is – and this is what I constantly tell people. January 6th is not just a bunch of overweight, middle-aged white guys uh, and old grandmas that were mad about an election. <clears throat> okay, These agents that are being put onto January 6th cases are being pulled off of human trafficking cases. Right, it's almost like a cover operation as an added benefit. They, nothing is ever done for one reason, okay? And and so we just covered this on our podcast a few nights ago about how the DOJ has recently removed a bunch of pages and uh, de- uh, mission assignments and designations and stuff like that related to human sex trafficking and child sex trafficking. Right? They're they are. Trying to decriminalize the sexual abuse and mutilation of children. That's what the transgender push is. That's what this uh, QAnon conspiracy disinformation campaign is, right? Because, see, look, here's the reality. The best lies are 95%. QAnon is nothing but a rehashing of the Bolsheviks' Operation Trust run to identify counter-Bolsheviks, right? It's nothing but a, a followed format laid out by George Orwell in 1984, which the Brotherhood was the version of the QAnon, right? Because here's the thing. Uh, most of that information is true. See, this is how we know that it's part of the disinformation campaign because they put out a bunch of true information sprinkled with some crazy stuff. Then they say that that's all conspiracy theory, and you hear it now, right? But you know what you've never heard about QAnon? Uh, The leadership of QAnon being investigated after January 6th. You've never heard of a huge FBI bust of the servers being used to operate QAnon, but yet you have heard about the FBI seizing uh, 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 darknet or, or blacknet or whatever being used for human sex trafficking, and then 
operated for weeks, if not months. I can't remember the name of the operation. Uh, but they literally had control and were running a child sex operation and then claimed it was for the purposes of busting a bunch of child sex traffickers. Maybe they did, just like the technique of, oh, we're going to have this big, huge drug bust, right? We're going to bust one or two cigar boats. Meanwhile, we allow a hundred of them to get by, but then we're able to have photographs and tell everybody about how, how successful the drug war is going to need more funding. Right? The, yep. This is the evil world that we're living in. And so they run this psychological operation known as QAnon, which I 100% believe is a total compromised psychological operation. Right. I mean, it seemed very legitimate. There was a time where I was like, man, maybe this is a legitimate thing. But then it became obvious that it was simply a distraction technique, a version of the Brotherhood. And if you're not familiar with the Brotherhood, if you read 1984, which I suggest you read it again with this new perspective, but the Brotherhood was the organization run by Emmanuel Goldstein, who was the target of Big Brother's hate. Right. In fact, the two minutes eight is a picture of Emmanuel Goldstein. Sound familiar? They put up a picture of someone and everyone loses their loses their mind. Right. Well, this is the theme of 1984, and this is the purpose of the Brotherhood. Right. And that's who the main character, Winston, is seeking out the Brotherhood, and he's given information by the agent of Big Brother, O'Brien, and they whisper, "Hey, here you go. This is what you're looking for." When in reality, the Brotherhood is a fake organization set by Big Brother to identify those who are countering Big Brother. Well, that's exactly what QAnon is, and it breaks my heart because I have many supporters who totally believe that QAnon is real. They believe that Guantanamo Bay is being expanded to to put global elites and child sex traffickers and lock them up at Guantanamo Bay. Um, Guantanamo Bay is being expanded. I've looked at it on Google Earth, but it's not being expanded for the bad guys, folks. It's being expanded for you. So there's no possible way you could possibly believe that this is all just part of some plan that behind – I've been told by people that uh, have been following things that George Bush, George W. Bush was arrested and was being executed in Guam. I mean this is the craziness, and see, this is all meant to create an informational environment. So that when Sound of Freedom comes out, then the media can simply say, oh, my goodness, this is just a bunch of the conspiracy theorists. This is how the game is played. It's move and counter move. It's spy versus spy. It's uh, disinformation. Like the, look, evil does what it accuses you of doing. Right. That is their cover. It's lie, deny, make counter accusations. Okay. This is why good is always behind the power curve because the good people project their goodness onto other people. Right. I'm a good person. I help my neighbor, and so I just assume everybody I meet helps their neighbor because see, I'm a good person. Now I'm not referring to myself because see, I'm suspicious of everyone because see, I've operated in the real world the world of secrecy and clandestine operations. Like, 
I know things that are going on that you don't know. And if I say anything about them, then I go to jail, right, because I'm violating national security. When in reality, national security is just a blanket of lies. This is the world we live in. So uh, a couple things. We're, we're going to um, wind down, but I definitely want to have you back on again, and I want to talk some more. But I um, uh, uh, two two things. One is how can we pray for you? And then the second one is um, um, what what would your advice be to people today? What what can we do about it? Well, one, I mean, I, I appreciate the prayers for me, but you guys are the ones that need the prayers. Uh, I've already been assigned my cell. I've got my my thermal mug. I've got my bowls and my my chicken and rice. You know, I'm already you know, comfortable where I am now. It's the rest of you that have yet to be rounded up, arrested, persecuted, uh, you know, bankrupted, uh, had your characters uh, defamed and besmirched in the public, lost friends, had your marriages ruined. Your America is who needs the prayers. Uh, and then I'll just take what I can get uh, from the success of those prayers uh, as an ancillary uh, reward. And then, and then the, the, the thing that we can do is we need to stop accepting this tyranny. I mean, I go back to the, to the quote from Thomas Jefferson, if tyranny will push as far as we let it. So we have to stop letting it push us around. We can say no. Because in the founding documents, uh, we are given the position of authority. It says, we the people, in order to, right? We're the ones issuing the authority to these tyrants. And so all we have to do is say no. We have to demand from those that we normally wave our pom-poms for that when they merely execute words – but yet no action, we shouldn't say, great job. We should say, what the hell are you doing? And, and, and I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. Numerous members of Congress whose names you hear every single day, who are touted by the conservative media, and I'm using air quotations when I say that, as heroes, and they're doing this and they're doing – they're doing nothing except talking. See, the church committee talked in the 70s about MKUltra and Paperclip and COINTELPRO and all the violations of the Constitution that were going on back then, and they've only gotten worse. Why? Because all they did was talk. We have to demand that when Jim Jordan asks a bunch of questions, that he now do something. How many criminal referrals have been issued on all of these crimes that have been uncovered. I mean, literally, we had the Durham report, right? Durham was the special counsel in uh, given authority to bring accountability to the FBI, to the DOJ, and yet he brings three cases. None of them are successful. And then he sits in front of Congress and says, what we need is accountability. But yet you, Mr. Durham, were the person assigned to bring that accountability. But see, 
he knows that the American people don't connect that dot. And so we'll be able to have hearings, and we'll all be able to rant and rave and be angry because all these things are being exposed. And yet the very people exposing them are doing nothing to actually solve them. Uh, and and the, the topic of the new FBI, and all of this year's worth of corruption that's being uncovered by the FBI, we're going to reward them with a brand-new government uh, taxpayer-funded headquarters in Alabama. Ladies and gentlemen, the movement of FBI headquarters to Alabama is not a good thing. That is an expansion of a command and control footprint. See, everyone was up in arms when they found out China was building bases in Cuba. Well, now the FBI is expanding their bases in the South. Huh. How come the FBI headquarters isn't in the leftist havens of the Pacific Northwest? Isn't it interesting the FBI headquarters is being positioned in the middle of what the FBI considers to be enemy territory? See, that's what you do when you expand a campaign against your enemy. You establish new forward operating bases inside their territory. And this is being allowed by the very members of Congress that everyone waves their pom-poms for and says, oh, great job. Oh, you really questioned him hard. Yeah, that and a harshly worded memo, and he might be able to get a free cup of coffee at McDonald's. All of these congressmen have been provided my case, and not one of them have ever actually spoken to me. One congressman has come and spoken to me, and nothing has come of that meeting at all, except a letter of leniency. Gee, thanks. That worked well. And so we have to demand – oh, I'm sorry. It looks like we're going to run out of time again, so I wanted to, yeah. to, um, to thank you and, and uh, close in prayer – and um yeah i want to thank you just for for speaking out and for not being silent um for exposing the things that you're exposing and i pray that god will open up many more doorways and that that god you would show us we just ask lord that you'd show us how to respond i pray that lord even the praying church would would begin to pray more boldly and effectively and fervently. I pray, God, that um, that people in different positions, Lord, would, would hear your voice that can make a difference, Lord. And, and Lord, that you'd show us, direct our steps, God, what, what letters we can write, what, where we can go, what we can do. Lord, to, um, Lord you've, you changed a nation in a Thank day. Thank you for using Securus. Goodbye. God, you can do that again, and I pray that. In Jesus' name, amen.